Hello, church. My name is Kyle, and we will now be reading today's passage in the scriptures from 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. Please follow along in your own Bible or on the screen behind me. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for, this, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not know, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the reading of God's word. Okay, now I get the privilege to officially introduce our guest speaker today. Uh, guest speaker today is Philip Muella from Inspired Church in Union City. Uh, he's one of my first friends in ministry here in the Bay Area. And uh, we, he's a fellow church planner. His church, I believe, launched a month before our church. Uh, so we are about the same age, you know, so we're, we're, we're friends. And we, we've, uh, you know, Philip has uh, graced us and, and given the sermon before at our church. And it's been now two and a half years since the pandemic. And, and he's going to be able to share just the wonderful word of God with us again today. So let's welcome Philip. Thank you so much. Good morning. How are you doing today? Good? Good. Um, it's good to be here. Uh, like Pastor Jay said, I, well, he didn't say this. I was born and raised in Fremont, California, and I know I met a Fremont boy here, so uh, good to see you, uh, Irvington High School representation over there. Um, but I was born and raised in Fremont, California, and I currently reside in Dublin and then planted a church in Union City, so I'm all messed up. Uh, but nonetheless, here I am. I am so excited to gather uh, with the larger body in the Bay Area. It is such an honor to know that you all are um, striving, you all are working, but most importantly, um, you are allowing the gospel of Jesus Christ um, to move your mission forward, to move the Great Commission um, here in the Bay Area. What a privilege it is to partner with you in an area. And for those that are outside of the Bay Area and um, maybe have not been here, there's always this assumption when you tell them, you know, you're planting a church or you're going to a church or you're in some sort of church in the Bay and they just think that, you know, oh my goodness, it must be crazy and evil and whatever the words they want to throw out there. You're like, absolutely not. The grace of Jesus Christ is here. God is moving. The church is flourishing. Amen. And so um, I'm just so grateful to be here today. My wife sends her greetings. She is actually serving today at our home church. And so uh, she's unable to make it today. My son, who is seven years old, 
Um, he is also um, currently not serving at the church, but definitely learning about Jesus in Kismet. Um, and uh, my church, Inspired Church in Union City, we send our love and our greeting your way. Um, again, it is such an honor to be here. Enough with the formalities. Um, let's jump into what I believe the Lord has for us in his word today. I want to ask you a question. Are you a joyful person? Are you a joyful person? Or maybe forget about what you think. What do others think? Uh, would, would others describe you as a person uh, uh, who is full of joy? Um, or are you always maybe down, uh, discouraged, disgruntled, uh, discontent? Or, or maybe not you, but maybe you have a friend Anybody in here maybe have a friend that you really love this friend? You know, your love for them is great. You enjoy being with them. But there's this time limit that you have, right? There's a boundary that you've set because this friend just maybe drags you down. Maybe this friend is always just seeing the negative parts of life. And maybe during certain moments of the conversation, uh, 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 it gets real critical. You know what I mean? Like you love this friend. You love spending time with this friend. I see some of y'all tapping each other. That's messed up. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you know, you just for boundaries sake, you got to put up a time because it just gets always gets negative. And if you're in this room and maybe you're like, I don't have a friend like that, you might be it. So, um, so you know, inspect, inspect yourself. Uh, but, but the question is, do you, live, do you live with joy? Now, I'm going to say something that I know for a fact is controversial. And it's challenging. But I think it's a necessary challenge for us this morning. I agree with theologian Dr. R.C. Sproul when he said this, followers of Jesus have a moral obligation to be a people of joy. Followers of Jesus have a moral obligation to be a people of joy. In fact, and this is where it's going to get controversial, for a Christian to not be full of joy is to be in sin. Now hear me out. Uh, what I am not saying is that you cannot be sad. Jesus himself was called a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. I, I am not saying that you cannot battle with worry, anxiety, depression, fear. I, I am not saying that you cannot battle with your remaining flesh, but what I am saying is that even in the midst of suffering or in the midst of pain, as a genuine follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit should be producing inside of you the supernatural fruit of joy. In fact, according to Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, faithfulness, right? But joy is a fruit 
that is produced from the Spirit's work inside of a heart that is yielded to Jesus Christ. And so when theologian R.C. Sproul says that we have a moral obligation as followers of Jesus to be a people of joy, what he is saying is that if you are a follower of Christ, the Spirit should be producing inside of you supernatural joy. Are you with me? I guess the question is, but do you believe that? And if you're having trouble believing that, then then my prayer for you today is that you will be able to believe that the Spirit is producing inside of you this supernatural fruit of joy. And so my task this morning will be to convince you that if you don't really feel very joyful today, if you don't have a lot of things to celebrate in your life, in fact, maybe you've been experiencing and battling with things that don't feel like joy, my task today is to help you, help convince you that you have access as a follower of Christ to a supernatural joy of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Can I pray for you? As you pray for me, and we can move forward together. Heavenly Father, it's an honor and a privilege to be here. It's a sacred responsibility to communicate your word, so I pray that you would illuminate the text in every heart and mind in this room. We all have come into this room with different experiences, different backgrounds, different pasts, but yet your word can speak to everyone individually in a way that I can't. So I just hide behind your word. May your gospel be clear, and ultimately may your spirit produce inside of us the supernatural fruit of joy. Amen. When it comes to the supernatural fruit of joy, the joy that the Spirit produces in a heart that is trusted in Jesus, um, I want to answer four questions today, okay? So for those of you that are kind of note takers or you just kind of like to know where we're going, uh, I want to give you that um, outline this morning. And so here's what I want to do, four questions. Number one, what is, what is it? Number two, where does it come from? Number three, how how do I get it? How do we get it? And then finally, number four, which to be honest, if you're anything like me and you're a pragmatist, like let's just get to what does it look like in real time? Like what does that look like in real time? But we'll take our time and we will get there towards the end. So again, what is it? Where does it come from? Supernatural joy. How do I get it? And then what does it actually look like in real time? So what is it? I believe that we can categorize joy in two ways, a natural joy and a supernatural joy. And so when I, when I say natural joy, what I mean is a, a joy that anyone can experience, right? right? It, it's, it's like, um, maybe it's like a, a happiness on steroids, okay? And, and, and it can be seen throughout the pages of scripture, right? This joy, this natural joy is the result of God's common grace. And if you know anything about his common grace, God extends his common grace to all, right? You don't have to be a follower of Jesus to enjoy the common grace of God. I mean, the fact that you woke up this morning and that you are breathing and you have life is an extension of God's common 
common grace, whether you're in this room and you follow Jesus or you don't. And so there is a joy that comes from the common grace of God, a, a kind of happiness on steroids. In fact, natural joy is kind of seen throughout the entire scriptures. And, and what really helped me out, uh, I, I love the Bible project. And the Bible project actually does kind of a video on this idea, this theme of joy. And I really love, they did a great job of pointing out these natural joys. In fact, in Genesis 1, when God creates, if you remember, he stands back and he looks at what he creates and he calls it very good. It's very good. And because creation is good, it, the reality is that God has created a place and a space for all of us to enjoy, right? Like I love interacting with God's creation, right? Uh, in fact, Tonight, as I leave here, I'm going to go camping. I'm a camper. I enjoy camping. My wife, not as much, but because this is my tradition and because she is a lovely wife and we both mutually submit, this is an area where she's like, okay, because you love this, I'll go with you. So please, not that you will do this, but say a prayer for my wife as we go camping again and we do this every year. But I enjoy interacting with creation. Maybe you like to water ski or jet ski. You're interacting with the water. Or maybe you're a snowboarder and you're interacting with the snow and the mountains, right? And maybe you like to hike or you just love outdoors or a sunrise or a sunset, right? These are all very good things that God has created. This is a natural joy that all of us can enjoy and experience. In fact, Psalms 104 talks about how about this? Wine gladdens the heart. Some of you said amen, right? And some of you maybe need to repent because maybe there's too much wine, right? And you enter into a, I don't want to go there, but nonetheless, wine can be a natural joy. Proverbs 5 calls the hus husbands to rejoice in the bride of their youth. And in Proverbs 27, it compares the joy of a fragrance, the joy that a fragrance brings to the nose like a joy a friend brings to the heart, right? These are natural joys that anyone can experience. Now, think about all natural joys that you've ever experienced in your life. I want you to just take a moment and think about it. Maybe it was your wedding day. Okay, maybe not. Just kidding. Maybe it was the birth of your child. Maybe it was a vacation or a graduation or a promotion. Maybe it was when you purchased your first home or you purchased any home, we live in the Bay. Or maybe it was a time you accomplished something that you had worked so hard to achieve, right? These are beautiful joys, but I want you to realize natural joys don't last. Are you with me? Natural joys don't last. The honeymoon ends. Can I get an amen? And now two imperfect people are struggling to become one. How about the baby grows up? And now this son or this daughter becomes the source of so much heartache and pain. The dream house turns into a financial nightmare. The perfect job is now your greatest stressor. Or how about the relationship you swore would last forever, but has only broken your heart? Listen, not all natural joys will sour, but they all will eventually expire. Yet, 
there is a kind of supernatural joy that lasts forever. Now, while anyone can experience the natural joys as a result of God's common grace, only a genuine follower of Jesus can produce, with the Spirit's help inside of them, a joy that lasts forever. It's not a feeling or an emotion. It's not conditional or contingent upon circumstances. It's a supernatural fruit produced by the Spirit's creative work in the natural gardens of our lives. If you think about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, these are supernatural fruits. And we have a natural garden. And so in our own strength, we cannot produce this fruit. But yet it is the Spirit in us producing this fruit of joy. So where does it come from? How do we get it? And what does it look like in real time? Open with me to 1 Peter as it was read. And I want to read it one more time. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 3 through 9. I promise you that wasn't an introduction. I'm just getting to my sermon text. I'm just getting to the text a little bit later. But 1 Peter chapter 1, we will read verses 3 through 9 together. And it reads like this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy... He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. I love this. Kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter writes, in this I rejoice. What is this? Everything that I just read. Peter says, all of that, it causes me to rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him, here it is, and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith the salvation of your soul. So where does this supernatural joy come from? Not, not the natural joy, but the supernatural joy. Where does it come from? Well, like we said earlier, Peter writes in verse six, in this I rejoice. What is this? What, what is producing Peter's joy? Well, his joy is in his salvation. 
His joy is in the salvation that was gifted to him, that was secured for him by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's on the cross that Jesus did for you and I what we could never do for ourselves. Jesus freed us from the bondage of sin. He gave us his perfect record of righteousness. He filled us with his spirit. He reconciled us back to the Father and has reserved for us a place in eternity with him. If you're saved, if you are a follower of Jesus and this does not excite you, you may need to check to see if you're even, even in Christ. You know, we have this motto and we have this mission and vision. And I know True North Church is built on the true north of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And every Sunday and every small group, the gospel is spoken, it's declared, and it's preached. But a lot of Christians, they have been exposed to it so much that it has become common it has become plain. It has become something that we dismiss out of too much repetition. And, and we have lost the wonder. We've lost the beauty. We've lost the ability to behold what Christ has done, how he has secured eternal life for us, how he has taken our sin, how he has removed our dirty clothes, and he had given to us his perfect robes of righteousness so that when we stand before God, he doesn't see us, but he sees his son. What a beautiful savior. What a beautiful gospel. What good news. And Peter says, it's in this that I rejoice. If, you're, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus and this does not excite you, if you're called to be a follower of Jesus and this doesn't stir your heart, then maybe you've allowed something else to become more beautiful, more lovely, more precious. You see, as a follower of Jesus, we should battle to never lose our wonder in what our Savior has done for us. We should never tire or take for granted this glorious good news. Where does Peter get his joy? Where should you and I find our joy? Not from within, but from Christ, who Peter says has secured for us, are you ready? An imperishable, undefiable, an unfading inheritance in heaven. Somebody should rejoice. And you can do it quietly in your heart. Where does Peter get his joy? He gets it from what Christ has done on our behalf. Do you believe? Do you believe that you have an imperishable, undefiled, an unfading inheritance in heaven. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 2.9, no eye has seen and no ear has heard nor the heart of man imagined 
what God has prepared for those who love him. That's incredible. That's incredible. Like a child on Christmas Eve, too excited to sleep and eagerly waiting with anticipatory joy is a genuine believer who has this hope even in the midst of suffering and pain. You may not have a lot of money. Your financial future may be uncertain. You may be waiting for the results of a biopsy. Has anybody ever been in a situation where you're testing and you're uncertain? And that weight is tormenting. Your health may be fading. You may be experiencing chronic pain. There might be some people that attend this church and they do not go a day without feeling pain. You may for the rest of your life in this flesh, on this side of eternity, deal with chronic pain. You might be battling with anxiety. You might be dealing with depression. But your joy can be full because it is not grounded in some kind of temporary happiness. But it's rooted in a heavenly hope. Do you believe that? I think it's hard for us in the West in America or any prosperous society in the Bay Area. I think it's hard for us to have a hope in heaven when we have so much access to things now. But if you're in this room today and you don't feel joy, I want you to know that there is a joy that is not grounded in your feelings but grounded in a sure and certain hope. A hope that looks forward to a day when there will be no more tears. Is this cliche? Do we say this too much in church? We know it. We know what's coming. No more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more suffering, no more death, no more decay, no more depression, no more anxiety, no more biopsies. No more waiting for test results. A hope. It's a hope that the author of Hebrews describes as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It's the reason why the Apostle Paul can enjoy and rejoice while in prison. And why while James can encourage us to count it all joy when we face various trials this is not your ordinary garden variety joy it's a supernatural joy that only a 
follower of Christ who has put their belief, their faith, their trust in the gospel can have access to. That only the spirit can produce inside of you, even if you're suffering, even if you're in pain, even if life has not gone the way that you thought it should go. How can I get it? That's the question. How can I access this kind of joy? Let's go back to the text. Look at what Peter says in verse 8. I love this. Um, This just resonates with me personally. Verse 8 says, though you have not seen him, you love him. That's a beautiful statement. I feel like Peter saw him, <laughs> right? There was, Peter was an eyewitness. He got to see. Have you ever thought to yourself, man, I wish I could just see him, walk with him, talk with him. And yet here Peter is talking to those who may or will not ever see him now in the flesh. Though you have not seen him, you love him. One of my favorite prayers, one of my favorite scriptures is when Jesus in John, his priestly prayer, he's praying over his disciples. But then he goes on to pray for all of those who would believe. All of those who may never see him, but through the eyewitness and the words of those inspired by the Spirit, we would believe, though we don't see him, we love him. Peter says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. How can I get it? This is not a manufactured joy. It's not a work of men. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Therefore, there's nothing we can do in our own strength to produce this kind of joy. This joy can only be received by those who believe in a reality that they cannot see. This Joy can only be received by those who believe, who trust in a reality that they can't see yet, they can't touch yet. In fact, what they're touching and what they're seeing doesn't match the hope that they have. Yet, this joy is accessible to you if you would believe that there is something greater and better, and that something that is greater and better was given to us freely by Christ. How can we, how can one receive this supernatural joy? By trusting in Christ. By trusting the gospel to be true. Do you believe it? Do you believe that Christ has secured on the cross for you an unfading, undefiled incorruptible inheritance. You know, my dad, he worked for United Airlines for 30 plus years and was forced into an early retirement because all of the promises that the company had made, the company had sold it, had, had, the company was owned by a particular group then sold and, and 
and the workers were brought into this and it was considered like this. All, everyone had this ownership and everyone was giving these stock options and now you know all about this. Uh, uh, and, and, and as a result, there was certain thoughts and hopes and promises of a particular kind of retirement, right? The kind of money that I would receive and, and, and the kind of lifestyle and the retirement I could have. And maybe some of you know someone or maybe your own parents, uh, but have you ever experienced somebody who was so excited and, and maybe banked and, and, and thought about and dreamed about what they would do once they retired because they thought they had put their money away or they had made decisions, a 401k or stock options, and then all of a sudden... When a time comes only to be bamboozled, only to be bankrupt, the United Airlines went bankrupt and, and what was promised or, or what, was, what was thought of that could be received, the rug was pulled right from under and all of a sudden this retirement that somebody had dreamed about, thought about, became a nightmare. But yet in Christ, we have a secure inheritance unfading, cannot be stolen. There's no amount of bankrupts. Heaven will not go bankrupt. Do you believe that Jesus Christ of Nazareth is the son of God? Do you believe that he has fully paid for all your sins with his precious blood? And do you believe that he rose from the dead and he has gone to the father to prepare a place for you? If you do, if you trust him, though you do not see him, your joy can be full. So what does this joy look like in real time? What does this joy look like in real time? Well, let's look at verse 6. Peter says this, though now for a little while... You have been grieved by various trials. Y'all see that? I, I love Christianity. I'm so thankful that Peter put this in the text, inspired by the Spirit. And so really it was the Spirit of God leading Peter to write this. I, I love it. Christianity doesn't fake the funk. I love that Peter talks about an inexpressible, glory-filled joy, but doesn't forget to include the reality of pain. You see that? He says, though now you may be experiencing various trials. And so Peter, talking about an inexpressible joy, doesn't forget to include the reality of suffering and pain. I love that there's a call to rejoice made in this text in the midst of suffering and in the midst of pain. You see, the supernatural joy of a believer does not require them to deny or suppress their pain. We live in a world that escapes the pain, runs from the pain, hides from the pain, medicates from the pain. But I love the Christian faith because it promises a supernatural joy that can coexist alongside of suffering and pain. So what does that look like in real time? This is gonna get a little trivial, forgive me, but I promise it'll make sense. But I had to bring it up because I know your pastor's a Lakers fan. Let me make sure everyone knows that. 
So I want to talk a little basketball. In 2015, the Golden State Warriors blew a 3-1 lead. I can't stand. I keep seeing that play with Andre Iguodala, a fast break, and LeBron James coming out of nowhere. It just it pains my heart. I'll never forget game seven, y'all. Game seven, when Kyrie, some of y'all might have no idea what I'm talking about. Some of you might know exactly what I'm talking about. But in game seven, Kyrie hit this step-back dagger <laughs> that sealed a devastating loss. And if you're not a lunatic fan like I am, if this isn't an idolatry of yours, it's totally okay if you roll your eyes right now. But for me, this was a crushing defeat. And I remember as, as the clock wound down and the Cavs began to celebrate, Mary LeBron, Cleveland, this is for you. You could tell I'm very traumatized by this. Uh, I walked to the car seat where my three-month-old, Philip, was, was perfectly swaddled. Right, Dads, we, we know how to swaddle really well. We, we do because we don't want him crying during the game, so he was probably extra tight. But I walked, and I, and I went to my, my three-month-old baby, and he was asleep. And I remember picking, we had a watch party, and I remember picking up the baby, swaddled, and I remember walking to the backyard. Again, I, I've repented of my idolatry, but I just need you guys to hear this. Um, and, and he was secured in my arms, and I just began to, <laughs> I just began to hold him and hug him. Until the sting of the loss slowly faded away. I'm glad a few people are laughing. In that moment, there was no doubt that I was feeling deeply disappointed. But I drew comfort from the presence of my newborn son that was in my possession. So that even though I was experiencing a kind of loss... I was, I was holding on to joy. Y'all with me? Very trivial, right? Now, rewind 14 months earlier in 2014. Jamila and I had just found out that we were going to have our first baby. We were married and we found out we were pregnant. Well, she was pregnant. But I remember that day that I got home she had placed the positive test to surprise me on the table. Y'all know how that goes. And, and not knowing what it was, she, she told me to look, and, and there was the stick with two red lines, and, 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 and I knew immediately, like, we were both overjoyed. And, and like any couple, we began to laugh and cry and smile and imagine life. What would life look like with this new baby boy or this new baby girl? But the smiles quickly turned to fears the day that my wife started to bleed. And the great joy turned to deep pain when we found out that we had lost our baby. I can remember being crushed as we walked out of the doctors that day. And I can remember the hopelessness in my wife Jamila's eyes as she sat silent and empty. 
guys don't know my wife, but everything's in her eyes. In fact, she's the only person I know can wear a mask, and I know exactly what's going on. Um, I was just empty and silent. And I can remember in the midst of heavy disappointment and deep grief, we, we grabbed each other's hand and we just determined to pray. Can I be honest with you? Joy was something that we did not feel that day. And though we did not feel joy, we chose joy. You see, as we began to pray, we began to thank God in our grief. And as we continued to pray, we began to realize that we had an access to an anchor of our souls, a hope that transcends terrible circumstances. And though death had robbed us of our happy feelings, it could not rob us of the supernatural joy of the Lord. I want to say that again. And though death had robbed us of our happy feelings, it did not rob us of the supernatural joy of the Lord. And though I had no natural joy that day, Though my wife had no natural joy that day, the joy of the Lord was our strength. So we prayed even when we didn't feel like praying. And we worshiped even when we didn't feel like worshiping. And we honored even when we didn't feel like honoring. On that day, we did not feel joy. We felt pain. We felt grief, we felt sorrow, we felt death. Yet deep down, because we were anchored in Christ, the joy of the Lord was our strength. And today, we have two babies in heaven that we believe one day we'll get to see in paradise. We believe that one day, both our babies will be there. Death can mess with my happiness. But it can't, it can't take, it can't take my joy. Can't have it. Grief, sorrow, pain, you can mess with my happiness, but you can't, you can't take, you can't have it. You can't have this joy that's been gifted to me in the suffering Savior. I'm going to conclude here. I... I was first kind of studying for this message and, and spoke this message around June. So it was during 
uh, Juneteenth. And what Juneteenth is, for those of us who are late to the party, it's a day in 1865 when enslaved African American learned of their emancipation. And as I was reflecting on what that means, I couldn't help but think about all that we can learn from the black church. Though their suffering was immense, their theology theology of joy and their demonstration of it remained unmatched. Stolen from their homes, shipped like cargo, treated like animals, torn apart from their families, sold into slavery. On the surface, there was nothing for African slaves to be hopeful or happy about. Even after emancipation, Jim Crow and segregation, there seemed to be only trauma upon trauma upon trauma upon trauma. Yet the black church is marked by songs of joy. I don't know if you ever thought about that. Songs of joy. My wife, African-American, when we visit family, I mean, marked by expressions and songs of joy. And I love different expressions in different cultures. Some people worship very quietly in their heart. Doesn't mean they're any less joyful, but that's just a cultural expression. But when I go to Atlanta and I visit my wife and my wife's family and we're there rejoicing, it is not a quiet day. It is loud. It is dancing. It is sweaty. I have to sit down and stand up and sit down as I get tired. But there was just so much joy and so much expression of joy. And this, these songs of joy is soul music, songs of incredible trust. Songs about heaven. Songs that would remind them that though the circumstance and situation that they find themselves in, it looks like hell. That there is a hope. There is a hope. So they sing and sang, swing low, sweet chariot, come forth to carry me home. I looked over the Jordan and what did I see coming forth to carry me home? A band of angels coming after me, coming forth to carry me home. A hope in glory, an unfadable, untarnishable, incorruptible hope in glory, a joy, uh, uh, something that's anchored in their soul. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has imagined what God has in store for those who love him. And they held on to this joy. In fact, Charles Spurgeon, who's the prince of preachers, once said this, the joy of the Lord is what does the most damage to Satan's kingdoms. He goes on to say, I am with Luther, who used to say when he heard any bad news, come, let us sing a song and spite the devil. I'll say that again. He says, the joy of the Lord is what does the most damage to Satan's kingdoms. I am with Luther, who used to say when he heard any very bad news, come, let us sing a song and spite the devil. 
Let me pray for you. Jesus. Just take a moment right where you're at. I realize the nature of the testimony that I shared could maybe even traumatize or spark memories or thoughts. So I just want to take a moment to pray for anyone in this room as we get ready to sing a song in spite the devil. I want to pray for anyone in this room who may be experiencing moments, seasons, situations that have robbed your natural joy. Maybe you've been questioning, why am I not more happy? Maybe you've been defining your joy incorrectly, but I want you to know that even in the midst of your suffering and pain, there's still an anchor, there's still a hope and what Christ has done for you on the cross. And so, Heavenly Father, we behold the Son. We look at Jesus. We see the cross. And we see the result of the cross. We see the salvation of our souls. We see the reconciled relationship back to God. We see our sin, our shame, our failure, our rebellion, our rejection of God. We see Christ carrying that and we see the wrath of God against that. And, and we see how Christ has taken that upon himself and in exchange given to us his perfect record of righteousness. We see that. And we see beyond the cross to a future, a hope and glory, a day when we will be out of this flesh a day when we will be delivered from the presence of sin, a day where our depression, our anxiety, our shame, our grief, a day when death and loss will no longer have the toll that it currently has on us now. And though we may not feel joy, we know that in glory, all things will be made And nobody can take that away from us. Nobody can take that away. It's, it's reserved, saved in heaven. And so I pray for anyone who's going through any type of suffering and pain. Anyone in the midst of my testimony that resonated with that testimony. Maybe it's their testimony or maybe it's there are other elements and things that they're going through in their life and pray that we would be able to put our eyes on you and look to a future that you have promised and trust and believe in what you have secured for us in the cross. Encourage us, Holy Spirit, 
produce inside of us what only you can produce, a supernatural joy. And we ask these things in the lovely, beautiful, matchless name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. Now come let us, let us sing a song and inspire the devil as we celebrate joy of the Lord.